You're listening to XOXO by The Knot, a podcast exploring love in real life. I'm Whitney Little, and on the show today, you'll meet Liz Howell. Today's episode is a bit different than our typical episodes, as Liz's husband, Steve, won't be joining us. Steve is currently deployed in the Middle East, so needless to say, he's a little busy at the moment. Today, Liz shares about what it means to be a military spouse, and I'll give you a sneak preview. It isn't always a walk in the park. Liz chats with me today, sharing the beautiful story of meeting, falling in love, moving across the country, and then around the world, at 36 weeks pregnant, no less, to support her spouse's dreams. Steve is, of course, a hero, but Liz is a different kind of hero. She is actually Superwoman. While Steve is hard at work serving the United States military, Liz is raising their two beautiful girls. On today's episode, we'll explore their love story, the wedding details they wanted to share most with their families, and how Liz navigates life and motherhood as a military spouse. And despite not having Steve join us for today's recording, their love story is clear, and it's quite obvious that regardless of the miles between Steve and his family, the distance makes no difference in their commitment and love for one another. So listeners, meet Liz. This is her and Steve's story. Looking back on it now, military life is so difficult, but to be with him, to be with him is worth it. So I definitely knew then and was like, okay, I'm 100% in. Let's do this. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Let's start at the beginning. How did you and Steve meet? Well, we met mainly due to the power of social media. We had a mutual friend, my friend from college. She was my best friend in college, and I had moved to a new town after graduation, and I was working in TV journalism at the time and just packed up my stuff from Connecticut and moved to Georgia with no friends and um, just a fresh new start at a new job. And she knew that, and she had run into another mutual friend of ours back in their hometown who had the topic of the military came up and friends from high school. And he had mentioned to her that one of their friends was stationed in Georgia in the same town where I was living. And she was like, oh, okay. So she reached out to me and said, hey, I have this friend from high school. I don't know if anything will come out of it. But she actually said to me, I know you have no friends. And I know she meant that in the nicest way possible. (laughs) But it was true. I was just new and I had just moved there. And she's like, so if you want just someone to hang out with, maybe he has friends, maybe his friends are cute. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm kind of an outgoing person, so I was fine with it. So through Facebook, she messaged him, and then he messaged me, and he asked me to come to a barbecue. It was about a week and a half. I think it was just after Valentine's Day when he messaged me, where I had had no date and was kind of sad about it. And he had messaged me right after and said, hey, I got your name from a friend from high school. You went to college with her and we're having a barbecue. Would you and your friends like to come over? I find out later that he had, in fact, no plans for a barbecue. But after he had said that to me, he was said to his roommate, dude, we have to have a barbecue. I told this girl we would. So they had a barbecue and it ended up uh, pouring the entire day. So I show up to the barbecue with my friends from the TV station. I brought a fellow reporter and then the weather guy and the sports guy. And the weather guy was the biggest hit, especially with the rain, because we were all like, oh, we're supposed to have a barbecue, and you made it rain. Yeah. But anyway, so I show up to this house in the pouring rain for a barbecue, and it's 
a bunch of guys and then me and my small TV crew. And we had, we definitely had an out. I will admit that. So we were like, okay, if this is awkward, we're going to go to a movie in like two hours and that won't be weird. We can just say, oh, thanks for having us. We had plans in the rain for a movie. But at the, after the two hours, my friend said, okay, well, we're going to go to a movie. And I said, well, I think I'm going to stay. And they all kind of looked at me and I was like, no, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to stay. I had been talking to Steve. He opened the door and I was like, oh, okay, you're not. I, of course, I had done some Facebook stalking before. And I was like, well, you aren't really what I imagined. I don't know why, but like actually meeting him in person, I was like, oh, he's kind of cool. So that first initial barbecue of like two hours turned into the beginning of our relationship. We kind of were dating ever since that. My friends left for the movie and I stayed through the end of the night and went home and I was like, I think I really like him. And that was after kind of just one day. So that was kind of nuts. I just thought I was going to a barbecue to meet this like random guy in the pouring rain with a bunch of my TV crew friends. And I turned out to meet my husband, which was kind of awesome. And all thanks to a mutual friend um, who now we're all friends with. So she likes to take credit for introducing me to my husband, which I'll let her take. Of course. <laughs> and that fake barbecue paid off. It did. Yes, definitely. Looking back, very funny. So what were the early days of dating like for the two of you? Well, they were not typical. I had been in relationships beforehand, um, and so had he. And I had been in a few long-distance relationships So I was kind of used to like the separation and things not being typical, so to speak. Um, But this was a lot different than I expected in the early days. With him being in the military, I I met him when he was doing a a military course. So that meant he was away quite a lot. So we met in February of 2012, and he had till June 2012 for that rest of that course. And he was probably away. He was away at least three of those months, cumulative. So he would go for two weeks at a time and be out in the field doing military things, and I wouldn't get to speak to him, which was tough at first, but it was kind of exciting at the same time, and I was like, okay, like, this is what, I had no idea what military life was like. I had never dated anyone in the military. I really had no connection to it other than I happened to move to a military town for my first job, and then at the end of June, he had told me that he was planning on going to a rather rigorous school in the military. It's called Army Ranger School. But that means that there's absolutely no contact except for letters. And those are very few and far between. So I could send him one, which I did every day for that first month, which I had never written that much or really done anything like that. But he he could only send me a few because of the rigorous course. But I remember the day that he left, I was like, okay, well, he's going away for a month. Like, I won't see him for a month. That stinks. But okay, bye. And he left and I was... I quite actually devastated and I couldn't believe it. I'd never felt that way about somebody leaving. I remember I called one of my friends from high school and I said to her, I cannot stop crying and I don't know why. And she said, well, maybe it's like, maybe it's a sign. Maybe this is for real. And I said to her that I really, I think it was. I had never felt that way about leaving somebody before and the thought of not being able to even just like say hello or, and also to make sure that he was okay. That was one of my concerns. Obviously he's in an army course, so he's going to be, he wasn't deployed or anything like that, but I was just wanting to make sure he was doing okay and that he wasn't, wasn't struggling and I wanted to check in, but I wasn't able to. So that for me kind of solidified that it was more than just casual dating, that it, 
maybe more to this relationship. And I found out afterwards that it was kind of the same test for him. He told me a little bit afterwards that he, he never expected to meet anybody in Georgia. So he was like, okay, casually dating this girl, Liz. And then he went to ranger school and felt the same way and came home and was like, okay, this is way more than just casually dating somebody. This is like the real thing. So as much as it was awful that we didn't get to speak and all that, but he came back and we both realized that this was more, this was kind of the real thing. Yeah, I feel like that has to really fast forward your relationship because there's no time for like waiting around for texts back and forth. Exactly. You know, it's, it is a little romantic to write letters. Yeah, no, it is. And we still have the letters, which is nice. And yeah, so we still have them and we'll look back on them sometimes and we'll talk about the times when he was gone and then the phone calls when he got home and just being like, like finally getting to speak to each other. And you're right. It does military relationships. I feel like they're, they're quick, but they're strong because you forced to grow up and be a unit so quickly you really have to lean on each other because of the hardships of training and the hardships of deployments and just military life in general has its ups and downs so frequently that you really have to lean on each other and really start to trust each other really quick. It's not, oh, we had a date two weeks ago, but I haven't seen him since. For me, it was, okay, well, I'm going to see him every day because next month I'm not going to see him at all. So I felt like it went quick, but quick, but strong. And what was life like when he got out of ranger school? So when he got back, he he knew he was going to, but he was going to be moving to Savannah, Georgia. So lucky for us, he had requested a bunch of different stations across the country and even the world to go to. And Savannah was one of his top choices, and he got placed in Savannah. So we were really fortunate because Savannah from Columbus, Georgia, is only four hours. So it was actually the next closest military base that he could have gone to. So we were very, very lucky that we got that. He moved in about October of 2012. And then I stayed in Columbus, still working at the same job. And then I, we kind of talked about it. Are we going to be doing this long distance thing? Am I going to be moving? I mean, we've been dating less than a year and we're already talking about moving to be with each other. And he was like, well, I'm going to be in Savannah for a couple of years. So I said to him, I will move if this is like the real thing. And he was like, please move. So I started looking actively for jobs in Savannah Um, I was lucky that there was another TV station in Savannah that was kind of a sister station to the one I was in in Columbus. So I was able to transfer, but it did take a couple of months for an opening to be there. So I was, we did the back and forth pretty much every other weekend from about October and then till the next May. So we had been just past our one year anniversary of dating and I was still looking for a job and we were going back and forth. But then, yeah, I moved to Savannah in May of what, 2013. And we were able to live together for the first time, which was kind of, I'd never lived. I'd never lived with a boy before. So I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I'm living with a boy. So I moved there and I was very fortunate enough to get a job in Savannah, but it was a job that meant I worked the overnights. So I would work midnight to 8am. I did work on the station's morning show, morning news show which was an awesome experience. However, it did mean I didn't see Steve all that much. So while we did live in the same apartment, we really didn't see each other much with his rigorous military schedule and then my complete opposite rigorous TV schedule. But we did make sure we would have dinner together every night. That was kind of our thing. He would get home from work. I would wake up from sleeping and we would have dinner and then he would go to bed and I would go off to work. 
So it was upside down, but it worked for us. For We did that for about nine to ten months. And then we were able to have a little bit more of a normal life with me having a, a daytime job. But for those couple of months, or a lot of months, it was dinner time was kind of our time to actually see each other and get to, to hang out just because of our backwards schedules. But um, we made it work, and it was nice to at least be, at least when I got home from work, he was there, or at least he was close. He was just at work. It wasn't the four-hour drive like it had been before. So I was very fortunate to be able to move to Savannah. It sounds like you two still hadn't had a ton of quality time together. I mean, when you were together, you obviously made the most of it. Right. But how quickly did you know that he was the one? Because I would not go through all of this if I was <laughs> not 100% in. And it sounds like you were 100% in. Oh, I definitely was. And, and going, it really was when he left for that ranger school back in June of 2012. I was kind of like, okay, this is look, this is it. This is who I want to marry. This is who I want to be with. And if he feels the same way, like I'm willing to make the sacrifices. Like looking back on it now, too, like I would still make the same decision. I mean, military life is so difficult, but to be with him, I know it sounds silly, but to be with him is worth it. So I definitely knew then and was like, okay, I'm 100% in, so like, let's, let's do this. So he obviously made sacrifices too. I mean, he would come back from two weeks in the field. I remember our first date, our first like official date after that barbecue, we went to dinner and a movie, and the poor guy fell asleep during the movie because he had been in the field for two weeks and had slept hardly at all. And after the movie, he looked at me and he was like, I am so sorry. He was mortified. He still talks about it and how he couldn't believe that he took me on a date and fell asleep during the movie. And I didn't care. I mean, I knew he wasn't just like sleeping in the corner. I mean, the poor guy was exhausted, but he said he was so excited to see me after those two weeks that he had to take me out. And then I wanted to see a movie. So he went with me and the poor guy couldn't keep his eyes open, but I mean, that didn't stop me. So I guess I knew, I knew pretty, pretty for certain then that he was pretty special if I didn't ditch him after he fell asleep on our first date. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Did you have any idea a proposal was coming? A little bit. So we got engaged in the beginning of 2013 due to, well, a lot of it, we knew he had an appointment coming up in that beginning of that year. So we had, he had said too, are you going to be here during my deployment? And I'm like, yes, of course. I'm not going to just walk away because you left. So we went to the beach that evening. We went to a special dinner and I kind of suspected he was so nervous all day. And I was like, what is this deal? Like he even left, which I found out actually he had to meet the jeweler who had to drive four hours with the ring because it wasn't ready when they guaranteed and he had told them anyway. Long story short is he got the ring and he like came. I had no idea. He said he had to meet somebody for something for work. And I was like, okay, it's Saturday, but sure, sure, whatever. Anyway, he came back in. We went to the beach. We were sitting. We still know the exact bench that we got engaged on at, and down at Tybee Island in Savannah. And we went there. It was <laughs> funny because we like walked down this dark path. And he was like, I'm just taking you down this dark path for fun. And I was like, this is okay. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> But it turned out that he was going to ask me to marry him. So he did the whole got down on one knee. He says now that he blacked out and doesn't remember what happened. But he proposed to me with a beautiful ring that his grandmother had left, which was super special. His mom still loves seeing it because it was her mom's. 
So that's really special. So yeah, we were engaged. It was January. I just, it was warm in Savannah. So I was like, we were at the beach. But he was set to deploy at the end of the month. So that was kind of coming up on us. But unfortunately, well, unfortunately for him and his career, but fortunately for us, he didn't end up leaving. So the deployment at the very, very last minute, which is typical Army life, um, got scratched. So we had been preparing for a big nine-month separation, um, which didn't end up happening, which was awesome for me. I got to plan a wedding with my fiancé. It was just a, another kind of hiccup in our in what was our plans. But he left, and so we were engaged. We have been dating just about 11 months at the time. And we were engaged for um, just over a year. We, When we were talking about where we wanted to get married, neither of us had a strong desire to get married in our hometowns. Steve's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I, at the time, I called home Connecticut. And neither of us were had a strong desire to get married in either of those hometowns. So we had decided we wanted to get married in Savannah. That was the first city we had lived in together and gotten engaged there. We had a great strong group of friends there as well, thanks to the military life. And it was actually somewhere that him and I had both vacationed as kids. We had always talked about how we couldn't believe we lived in a city that we had vacationed in separately as children. And we joked we were probably at Hilton Head Island at the same time and like on bikes with our parents thinking like hating life as teenagers. And we probably saw each other and had no idea. But so we decided that we wanted to get married in Savannah and kind of start our own memories and our own kind of city that we could refer to as and bring our kids back and say, this is where we got married. We started planning the wedding in Savannah, which was awesome. And what was important to you when it came to wedding planning? What were your big must-haves? So obviously, neither of us are from the South. I'm from Connecticut, and he's from Pittsburgh. But we had really grown to respect and love the Southern life and Southern vibe, So that was something we really wanted to kind of keep with the wedding. And also, since it was going to be a destination wedding for all of our family and friends, we wanted to make it very much of like a Southern experience and more than just like dinner and dancing. So we wanted to make it, yeah, like a a destination, something that they could all enjoy for the weekend. So we chose somewhere called the Mackey House, which we love and still recommend and rave about to anyone who asks. It's nestled in Savannah just about 15 minutes from downtown, and it's a beautiful home. used to be the home that the family who runs kind of like the wedding business they grew up in, and they've turned it into a wedding venue. And it just has that great southern feel of like the wraparound porch and the rocking chairs. And the reception was held on the the back patio or deck, had a pool, and they put like a glass top over the pool. It was really cool. Of course, just like our first barbecue, it poured all day on our wedding day. And we were supposed to get married in the garden, but that did not happen. They were awesome. And we got married under their pavilion. It was beautiful. And then we all made our way up to the house for dinner. We wanted, again, to stick to the Southern thing and give all of our family and friends an experience. So we did food stations was our main thing. So different like chicken and waffles and shrimp and grits and that kind of thing. And then dancing and all that fun stuff. Um, I'm actually from Europe. I'm from England. So I had a lot of family from all over the world who had flown in, um, which was uh, amazing that they were able to make the trip. So I really wanted to give them an experience and kind of show them, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the life I've built with this this person. Come and experience it for a weekend and, and see what you think. So everyone said they loved it. 
and we still, people still, obviously, our family and friends still talk about it and how much fun it was and the beautiful venue. So it was definitely exactly what I had imagined. It sounds beautiful, and the food is making me so hungry <laughs> talking about <laughs> it. Was it was so good. <laughs> so you had all these guests coming in. When it came to your registry, did you guys ask for physical gifts to fill your home and kind of start newlywed life, or did you ask for cash? What was that like for you? Um, well, we did a little bit of both, um, but we mainly asked for physical gifts. Um, we had we built a registry. We actually we did use the knot for all really of our planning needs. We did our registry and our invitations and our wedding website and all that good stuff, uh, obviously to keep it consistent. And it was just easy to do. But so we hadn't, due to kind of both of our careers coming working right out of college, neither of us really had anything of our own. We had kind of pieced together our apartments from different pieces of furniture from college and hand-me-downs and different things. And so we really needed to start building our own stuff. So that's mainly what we asked for on our registry. So we still use the same plates and bowls that we got and all that good stuff. And then something that was really special that was passed down to me from my parents was this dining room table that was given to us. It was my parents that they bought in England when I was a, a kid that I ate around starting from two years old. I ate, and then when we moved to America came the table. And I ate on that during high school, college, all I can just, and the same spot too, because there's a little chip on the side. So I always know that that's my spot when we, because it's an oval table. So we always turn it around. So that's where I sit. But then my parents gifted it to Steve and I. So then the table moved from, it was, so it was in Connecticut and then it moved to Philadelphia and then it moved with us to Georgia and then the table moved to Italy and then the table moved to Germany and now the table is back in Philadelphia. Well, it's technically on a giant boat at the moment because it's in transit from Germany, but it is going to be living in Philadelphia again. So that table and that kind of thing is just what we've kept together, kind of the importance of togetherness and always that's the one consistent thing we've always had. I feel like that table has traveled the world more than I have. <laughs> it, just, it has. We, it's like a big joke with our family. We're like, where is it going now? <laughs> but yeah, it really has. And it's nice. We have two kids, a almost three-year-old and a five-month-old. And the three-year-old sits around the table. And I just kind of look at the And I'm like, I cannot. I sat at that table at your age and ate in England. And now you ate it in Germany. And now you're eating it on it here. So it's just nuts. Were most of your registry items kitchen-related? Yes, most of them were. Steve is an awesome cook. I am dabbling in cooking. I will say <laughs> I have graduated from pasta and frozen vegetables. He will laugh and tell you that was the first thing I ever served him, was pasta, a bag of frozen veggies, and some microwaved chicken patties. So that is... I have... I am happy to say I have graduated from that. <laughs> so most of our stuff was kitchen items. And then we had a couple of bathroom stuff. The guy who actually helped introduce us, he got us all of our bathroom accessories and it made us laugh. I don't know why, but it was like, he was just so sweet about it. He bought us all of these different bathroom stuff that we had put on there. He's like, look, guys, I got you the set. And we were like, thanks. It was just this single guy like got us our bathroom stuff. It was just really sweet. But yeah, we main, mainly it was our kitchen stuff, so we could really start to, to build that up. I feel like this is kind of where, in most episodes, we ask for marriage advice and wrap up. But for you and Steve, your story was 
seriously just getting started. I mean, you had gone <laughs> through so much leading up to getting married, but yeah, this is real life after the fact. So I, I want to hear what life was like after the wedding for the two of you. Well, I'll keep it short, just so you're all not probably listening to me ramble over here. We've been married five years, and we've only spent two of our anniversaries together. We spent our first and our third anniversary together. Um, But so we have, due to typical military life, we have just been all over the place. And we've been fortunate enough to be, um, have to have lived in Europe in two different countries. So after we got married in 2014, we were in Savannah. We had our first daughter, Sophie, in Savannah. And then when Sophie was six weeks old, we moved back to where we met, actually, back to Fort Benning, Georgia. So we were there for a year. When Sophie was about 14 months old, we um, found out we were moving to Italy, which was very exciting. Steve had lived in Italy in high school, so he was excited to get back. So we packed up all that we owned, uh, including that table, and we took Sophie and our two dogs and we moved over to Italy. We were in Italy for just over a year where we found out we were pregnant with our second um, daughter, Chloe. And so we were planning on being in Italy and having a second child and being in Italy for three years. However, we found out about a year in when I was pregnant that we were going to be moving to Germany. So still in Europe, but still a move. So I was like, okay. And the way that it worked out was we ended up moving to Germany when I was 36 weeks pregnant with Chloe which was a bit of a challenge. Moving pregnant is not something I recommend. If you can avoid it, <laughs> do it at all costs. Um, but Steve really stepped up. He was like, usually, I mean, it's very much a team effort when you move, for us at least, And but he really stepped up. I The day they packed all of our stuff into the moving trucks, I was so tired that I went and I slept in my car for like two hours. And the movers were like, where's your wife? And he, Steve was like, um, I think she's just uh, taking a nap in the driveway. Um, and they like looked out and there was me in the back of my car, like passed out just from being so pregnant <laughs> and so tired. Sure. Yeah. But um, so then we moved to Germany when I was uh, about 36 weeks pregnant. And um, then I had Chloe in Germany. And then um, unfortunately, we found out Well, we had been in We got to Germany in November and she was born in January, the very beginning of January. We moved just after Thanksgiving to there. And we found out in March that he was going to be leaving on a 12-month deployment to the Middle East. So that was a bit of a bummer. Just it was obviously deployments are part of military life. It was just one that was a bit of a surprise and a 12-month deployment. So Steve, we started preparing right away um, for him to leave with Chloe at the time being just over two months and then Sophie being, she'll be three in August. So he left um, at the beginning of April, and we were able to do something called an early return of dependence. So for anyone who has no idea about the military, like I used to have no idea, basically it meant that the Army, after we had requested and applied, was going to move me and my daughters back to a place we chose. So whether it be a town in the United States that we chose, but we chose where my parents live in Philadelphia. That way I could have some help with the girls. And then Steve's parents live in Pittsburgh still. So we'd be in the same state as them. So I was very fortunate to be able to move home. My mom was a rock star and came to Germany and helped me bring the girls home. And poor Steve was kind of stuck in the Middle East. He kept asking, is there anything I can do to help? And I was like, um, not really. Just, uh, just hang on. I'll let you know when I'm there. So I packed up all of our, all of our belongings. So when Steve will go back to Germany when he gets back after his deployment in April 2020. 
and he'll be there for a little bit and then it'll be on to the next career move. But it's nice that we get to come home, but I, I do feel badly he'll get back from his deployment for a year and he'll have nothing in Germany when he gets there. I literally, I mean, I shipped the car, I did everything and he'll go back and be like, hmm, well, I have my suitcase of things that I've had for a year, but now, now what else? But it's military life for you. But so that's kind of what we're doing now. Um, like usual, it's just different things. Things are always changing. And I'm just happy to be back. I'm back in the States just for the conveniences and the familiarity with the States and just have my parents help, which is super nice. And my in-laws. So it's nice to be back. I feel like when you talk about this, it's so matter of fact. But I, when my husband leaves for like a night or two, I'm just devastated. Obviously, this has been the normal for the two of you, but how do you get through it as a wife and as a mother? And how do you raise your kids and explain to them where their father is? And it's it's funny you do say that, but it's, it is matter of fact. I mean, it is matter of fact for military life, which it just goes to show like how much a lot of military members, service members do sacrifice and their families. Other fellow military-wise, we always joke that we can kind of get through anything that is thrown at us just because we're forced to. A lot of it is is communication, and then with the girls, I I tell Sophie, our oldest. Luckily, I mean, Chloe is so young, so poor Steve is going to – he left an infant. He's going to come home to a toddler, but she at least isn't really aware of what's going on. But Sophie um, is very much a dad girl and is very close with Steve. So I was worried about it. And so was he. And he misses her a ton. And she definitely misses him. But we've just been talking to her about daddy's on a trip. Somebody gave me the advice to not say daddy's gone to work. Because then when he does come back and is going back to going to work daily, we don't want them to associate with him going for a long period of time if he's not. So she knows that daddy's on a trip. And she does get to to speak to him. We've done the whole, like, recording a voice in a bear. So she gets to hear him. When she misses him, she presses the bear's paw, and he talks to her, and it's really sweet. And she carries the bear around and says, this is my daddy. Daddy's in the paw. It's adorable and really sweet at the same time. But at the same time, it's heartbreaking that she's talking about a bear and not her actual dad. But she gets to talk to him on FaceTime. We're super lucky. I can't imagine those wives who used to go through this back in even like the early 2000s when their husbands were gone for years at, or a year was the norm and they could write letters or talk on the phone maybe once a week on a not great connection. But we're super lucky being 2019 and having the power of FaceTime and video chat and that kind of thing. And even text message. I can even send Steve a quick text and say, hey, today, Sophie counted to 10 for the first time, or she went on the swings and here's a picture of her at the playground. And he says it really makes his day and makes his time away easier. And it's nice for me to know that he feels included because while I'm having my own struggles, obviously being apart and being kind of a single mom over here, he's having his own struggles being away from his family. So he doesn't have the familiarity of his parents or his, even his own country. So he's really thrown into it. So I have to keep reminding myself that while I have my struggles, he definitely has his own as well. Absolutely. Do you know what's next for the two of you once he returns? Not really. It's kind of up in the air. We're hoping to kind of take a career path, take a change that really lets us have more time together. And especially as a family, that's one thing Steve has said 
to me time and time again that this deployment and military life has shown him how important family is to him. And it definitely is to me as well and our kids, but he really, he wants to make the effort to, to be with us. He said before he met me and when he joined the army, he was just all about, he'll do whatever it takes for his country and he'll leave whenever he needs to, which is still the same. Obviously, he joined the army for a reason, but he says he's just realized how important family is at the same time. So if he can, he wants to to do a career that he can serve his country, but as well spend a little bit more time with us, which is fine with me. (laughs) What have you learned Throughout your relationship, especially with the long distance, what is your best advice for couples and what are your tips to keeping your own relationship strong despite the distance? My biggest takeaway that I've I've come to, to realize is communication. Obviously, being apart means that there's not any face-to-face communication for a while. And so you just really have to, I have, even with the kids, I have to be mindful to share the little things and even if I think that Sophie on the swings isn't important, that it might be important to him. So to to kind of think of the other person in the communication as well. Um, but to keep the open line of communication, that if I'm struggling with something or having a rough day, he might be too. And so kind of reaching out and, and talking as much as we can and kind of keeping the relationship going, even though we're not seeing each other face-to-face. So that's one of the big things that I've learned. So we always, he always, I always wake up because he's six hours ahead or seven hours ahead. So I always wake up to like a good morning text, which is is awesome. And then I'll send him a good night text when he's already asleep. So he wakes up to that. Just little silly things that, so we at least know that each other is thinking about each other, even if he'll be on, have busy days where he's not able to communicate with me and then I'll be wrapped up with the kids and activities and swimming lessons and anything I can to keep them busy and I'll before I know it it'll be four o'clock and I'm like oh and he's in bed whoops so it's really important to try and just even a simple text or a a silly picture or something of the kids um, to keep kind of keep the communication lines open. It's great advice and obviously please Thanks, Steve, so much for everything he does for our country. Well, thank you for your support. And thank you for sharing your story. And also thank you for all the sacrifices you make while he can serve abroad. It's, I mean, it's so moving and I'm just, I I would never be able to have the strength you have. And I'm just really touched that you were able to talk to us about it today. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. I don't get to talk about this life often, I feel like. So it's nice to share and it really puts it in perspective. Well, we'll be thinking of you too, and hopefully only good things to come. Definitely. XOXO is a podcast produced by The Knot, the nation's leading wedding planning app offering a seamless all-in-one planning experience from finding inspiration in local vendors to creating your registry and managing all of your guest experiences like digital RSVPs and photo sharing. The Knot was founded on the mission of helping every couple plan their wedding, regardless of their style, budget, location, culture, or who they choose to marry. For more than 20 years, The Knot has helped empower 25 million couples and counting to plan their perfect celebration. If you're planning a wedding, be sure to download The Knot Wedding Planner app, available for all mobile devices. Now, a word from our listeners. 
I'm Alyssa, and I just got married a few weeks ago. And in our first 30 days of marriage, we've learned to think beyond the wedding. The wedding is the most important day of that month, but not the most important day of your life. You're going to have a lot of trials and tribulations to get through, even your first year of marriage. So definitely take some time out to get to know each other, reconnect. Um, make sure your connection is strong beyond the wedding because the next day you're married. Lee, one of our followers on Instagram, DM'd us with this piece of marriage advice. They wrote, the key to a happy marriage is separate blankets. You might think I'm joking, but this may save a lot of couples stupid fights and it'll spare them any cold feet. Thanks for tuning in to XOXO by The Knot. If you have a comment about our show, tips for making your own traditions, or marriage advice you want to share on air, email us at xoxo at thenot.com. And connect with us on social. You can search our handle at The Knot and on the web at thenot.com. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks to our producer, Lauren Nolan, with assistance from Emily Berman. This podcast was recorded in New York City at The Hangar Studios. See you next week.